Hello and welcome to the AJ on the Line podcast where we are going to review the French Grand Prix. My name is Adam Williams, I'm your host and I'm joined this week by Joe and Namesh. I'm really happy to have Namesh on for the first time onto the podcast. He knows what he's talking about and you'll hear that in just a second. The French Grand Prix then, let's have a quick recap first. Out of the Grand Prix that have taken place in Paul Ricard, Lewis Hamilton has not led just one lap. This was Mercedes and Hamilton's territory then, and their chance to fight back after a couple of nightmare races. Red Bull and Max Verstappen though had other ideas, and it looked like they were a staggering 7.5 tenths of a second up the road. This allowed Max to tape pole position, but after struggling on Friday and most of Saturday, Lewis Hamilton found some time from nowhere it seemed and dragged his Mercedes into second position to set up the perfect front row for the first corner. At that first corner, it all seemed once again quite sensible. However, a gust of wind was enough to put Max Verstappen off kilter and off the track, which allowed Hamilton into the Grand Prix lead. Hamilton managed a three-second lead, which would usually cover off the threat of any undercut from Red Bull's Verstappen. But when the Dutchman pitted, the advantage that the fresh rubber gave was greater than expected. And that meant that when Hamilton had finally pitted, Max snatched the lead back from the British champion. Just. The two then pushed each other on with Valtteri Bottas, Hamilton's Mercedes teammate, in close pursuit. The rubber on the tyres, though, had had enough, and Red Bull pitted again to give Hamilton the lead. This wasn't a blunder, though. It was a bold move that left Mercedes committed to a one-stop strategy, while on fresher tyres, Verstappen reeled Hamilton in, and despite Lewis maintaining an incredible pace considering the state of his tyres, he had no answer for Verstappen, who took the lead and the victory just a lap and a half from the chequered flag. The top four were Verstappen, Hamilton and the tyre whisperer Perez, and a livid Bottas finished off that top four. Red Bull have overcome Mercedes in their comfort zone. Game on for the championship? I think so. Elsewhere, the McLaren boys were best of the rest with two great drives. Ferrari floundered and George Russell had one of the drives of the day to finish 12th in that Williams. While we may have yawned through England's football matches in the Euros, the French Grand Prix was better than expected. So, having had that recap, Joe, what did you think of the French Grand Prix? Well, it was a lot more exciting than I was expecting it to be. Like uh, like Spain, we gave it the build-up of going to be a rubbish race. Turned out to be pretty decent. So. Well, it was better than watching England play in the Euros, <laughs> wasn't it? Yeah, it was a lot more entertaining than that. It actually kept me awake. So, uh, yeah, that was nice. I think the expectations are so low that anything could have happened that would have made it just that much better. And that's basically what happened in this race. Yeah, That's a good point. Because we were all just quite excited by the fact that Verstappen went off on on the first corner. That that would have been enough for us to go home having a chat about. <laughs> but the fact that even more happened <laughs> after that, even better. Joe, 
What's your rating? Uh, yeah, I was going to go for eight. As well. I think the only thing that could have made it better would be a sort of proper on-track battle between Hamilton and Verstappen. You know, he did breeze by, which was slightly underwhelming. But, like, you can't complain. It's France. You know, it was always going to be a battle of strategy. If they were going to overtake, it was going to be a breeze past, and it was, so. Just quickly, Namesh, I'll get you to rate the race if that's all right. Give us a reason and a rating. So I'll give it an eight just because of how low the expectations were. So anything that could have happened after that, especially after the first um, corner, everything else just became that much more entertaining. So you can't, you just got to love it. It's a good point. We weren't expecting much. And Joe really did not give it the billing. Although saying that, I completely agreed with him in that prediction. So I'm not going to put it all on him. Um, we, we predicted a ball fest and it wasn't. That, that that was another sporting event which we've already mentioned. And I'm not going to give that any more airtime. Let's get into the awards, okay? The bit we all love doing, the bit we get to debate. And the first award is the biggest winner from the French Grand Prix. I'm going to go to Joe here, okay, to see what your biggest winner is. I think it's got to be Red Bull. I think it that... This weekend's been the strongest overall team performance by a, a single team at a Grand Prix. They had a brilliant strategy, brilliant drives by both drivers who both who look very strong. Um, so I think as a weekend overall, I think it's been the most solid one for a single team. And that Red Bull car looks really strong going forwards as well. Um, and it's a big momentum thing winning the first of the triple header. They they look to have the strongest car going into it so a lot of points on offer for them absolutely and they come off the back of two wins so that's three wins in a row and now they've got two races in austria their home turf mm. you, you can't ask for much more than that mercedes are looking under pressure just simply because as as uh, max's mechanic said it's all going simply simply lovely for them um and perez is also being that number two driver, although that's a bit harsh saying number two driver, but you know what I mean, that second driver that can pay, play the supporting role mm -hmm. and put Mercedes in a position where they, they couldn't play the strategy games that they usually would against Max Verstappen. So I see where you're coming from and I usually would agree. Well, I do agree, but I'm going to just throw in there that the biggest winners were McLaren. Because their biggest rivals are Ferrari. And Ferrari, they dropped down like a stone in water. Because they went, they kept on going through their tyres like I go through burritos. And that's at a high rate. <laughs> and <laughs> and as a result, they had to go into um, the pits within 14 laps or something like that. And Leclerc finished 16th. Mm -hmm. that's, that's a driver that we rate well on this podcast did you think it's because of the tire pressure because i did uh, i do remember them talking about them increasing the tire pressure which i think might have rinsed those tires more than every other team it's a great point to mention some would suggest that those tire pressure rules following the two failures in azerbaijan have caused that um but yeah it seems that ferrari have have come off worse if that is the reason or maybe it was just because of the really low track temperature, because it was lower than anyone was thinking, which caused 
a lot of the teams to go to a two-stop strategy anyway. But anyway, McLaren, they're the biggest winners because they maximised the points other than the top four spots, which were taken by the usual Mercedes and Red Bull. Ricardo had a great drive. Lando had a great drive. Ultimately, a better strategy. That's why he got ahead of Daniel. And it all seems rosy over there and they maximise the points. So it's looking like they're, they're going to get that crown for best of the rest at the moment unless Ferrari can sort out their tyre wear. At the end of the day, their, their hard nature on their tyres was what allowed them to get them up to temperature quickly on those street circuits. It's why they were on pole in Monaco and Baku. But yeah, McLaren are looking good in terms of the race car and that's where you get the points, right? I think with McLaren, the fact I think it's more to do with their car being just that much better than their strategy because, if I'm not wrong, uh, Norris did a long strategy, so he kept his tyres going for a longer time than Daniel Ricciardo, but they still ended up fifth and sixth, which uh, kind of tells me that you know that it's not uh, the strategy, especially that was more effective. It was actually the car, and the fact that they are just that much better than Ferrari that they, even with different strategies, they still could make it to the end. Absolutely. It, it, it seems like the best race car. So are you going to agree with me there, Namesh, on McLaren? Yeah, I think I have to, just because of, I think they do let themselves down with the qualifiers. But I think both I think both drivers let themselves down, or the whole team down, with the qualifiers in every race so far, I think. But when it comes to the race what, itself... What, the McLaren drivers? Yeah, they, they don't have a great showing in the qualifiers. I think that's uh, especially, well, agreeably with Daniel Ricciardo just because he's still trying to get used to the car, but Norris, he's, he usually doesn't have a good time in qualifiers and then he kind of shows up during the races. And I think that's what they did that this time as well. And I think cooperation, especially with like them being together in the first few, ra uh, few laps and not kind of colliding or doing anything out of, you know, too insane and kept their composure. I think that really helped them later. Spot on. McLaren arguably have the most exciting but also promising driver pairing in terms of the future but also the right now and maybe Ferrari can challenge them on that but as a team McLaren look like they're in a better place. So we'll go with McLaren on that one. Sorry Joe we agree with you on Red Bull being huge winners from this Grand Prix but McLaren are today's biggest winners on this podcast. But the biggest loser, what are we thinking, Namesh? I have to give it to uh, Mercedes. And not just because of um, what transpired, but the fact that I feel, I feel like they were more worried about what Red Bull were doing than what they were doing themselves. And I think that kind of hurt them because if they weren't looking at how they could combat uh, Max Verstappen and try to go for themselves, right? If they, um, being the hunter in F1, especially in the final few laps, is much easier than being the one who you have to kind of keep back. Because I think it was Spain where Hamilton, when he had to chase uh, Red Bull's um, Verstappen, it was much easier and he actually succeeded more than when he has to try to hold uh, Verstappen off. And I think that's what uh, Mercedes should have aimed for instead of what they ended up having to do, which was basically just you know, follow Max and try to get to him, but without all two and three trying to push him, it just never happened. I think it's a really good shout. I'm, I'm going to disagree later on. But um, la if you remember last week, I went on a bit of a rant about how 
this season's going to come down to winning at the tracks where you've got the faster car. And I think Mercedes had the faster race car this race and Max won with Lewis second. They extended the gap. So, yeah, I think Mercedes are big losers. I'll come up with my uh, alternate suggestion in a minute, but I think it's a very good shout. You're right. And Lewis was talking throughout the weekend about how Red Bull's package meant that they had a three-tenth mm-hmm. advantage on the straight. Now, if you add that over the race distance, I don't know what that is, but it's a lot of seconds. And he was only a few seconds behind Max at the end of the race, despite being on the worst strategy, yeah. which was the one-stop. So it makes you think. And, and to be fair to Mercedes, they did a faster pit stop than Red Bull, which is an unusual one, really. Um, it was only by a tenth quicker, but they got caught out by the strength of that undercut uh, with Verstappen getting onto those fresher tyres and Lewis on the old tyres, and, and that meant that he could get ahead after the first pit stop, that, that being, or he being Verstappen, and that gave Red Bull control as to whether they wanted to do a second stop or not. And with Perez right behind um, in, in kind of that pit window, it meant that Mercedes weren't in a position to pit Hamilton or Bottas, who was making exactly Namesh's point that Mercedes were too worried about the other the other drivers rather than getting the best strategy for themselves. It's an interesting one, but let's see what Joe has got as an alternative point of view for this week's Biggest Loser. Well, you touched on it earlier. I think it's got to be Ferrari, to be honest. Um... And it's annoying me because uh, we curse someone every week and uh, this week it was Ferrari. I said last week that Ferrari were going to shock us all by still being fast on a curvy flowing track. Um, Got that one badly wrong, didn't I? Um, But yeah, 11th and 16th in the race and they didn't even look too bad in qualifying. Absolutely disastrous, really. And that was on pure pace, 11th and 16th, pretty much. So... um, I think they've lost a lot of ground to McLaren in the constructors, you know, because McLaren obviously solidified Ferrari's bad performance with a good performance themselves. Um, Yeah, 11th and 16th, absolutely shocking that. I was very, very surprised. I saw that Ross Braun was asked about this Ferrari um, pace problem that they had in the race. And Ross Braun said, the worst thing that could possibly happen with Ferrari now is for them to go back to Maranello and for them to sit down in a meeting and for them to say, we don't know why we're slow. But unfortunately, that seems to be exactly what's been coming out into the media <coughs> from Ferrari in reaction to the race. So that that could potentially get the troops down and, and, and their morale was so high at the start of this year, with them coming back with a more competitive car. That being said, if if we'd actually worked in conjunction with mine and Amesh's biggest winner and biggest loser, or, or and Joe's biggest loser, then it would have made sense. But we're all kind of agreeing and disagreeing. However, me and Namesh are on the same side again, so our biggest loser, sorry Joe, is Mercedes. Sorry Mercedes. So... I'll start off with my moment of the race. I've touched upon it earlier. Is Max Verstappen going off at the first corner. I mean, he made a mistake. That's fair enough. It, it was a windy day. Um, 
And ultimately, that's what made the race so exciting because if Verstappen was out in front, arguably, you would have seen uh, him going off into the distance and you wouldn't have seen the exciting battle for the lead that you did. That being said, I wonder whether Hamilton would have got an OP or <laughs> overpowered uh, undercut and that might have changed the scape of the race too. Who knows? But I just think that that was a critical point and we shouldn't overlook that, even though it's just the first lap. And you can't win the race in the first lap of the race, but you can certainly lose it. Max didn't lose it. I don't know where I was going with that, but <laughs> that's my biggest moment. Namesh, what's yours? It's a bit more gossipy kind of moment, but I think it has to be Bottas's line about the two-stop because I feel like it highlights um, Mercedes's downfall and like, what the future might hold for Mercedes because this is happening more recently and more often with Bottas and Mercedes and him being on a one-year contract constantly I feel like it's like one of those obvious frustrations that he's he's not um he doesn't care anymore about holding back if you know what I mean it kind of it's reminiscent of uh, Vettel in Ferrari that kind of thing where when they don't care, they kind of say what they want. And it, I feel like that's, uh, it's like foreshadowing the future, I think. And that's going to be something that might bite Mercedes in the ass further down the line. But the thing, the thing is, Bottas has done so well. And he didn't have a bad weekend in terms of driving. I, I, I can't think of a, a mistake that he did. So there's nothing Mercedes can hold against him. But you almost felt like he was a blockade to try and get Hamilton the win. And he didn't do a very good job of that, but you wouldn't if you had no front end grip like he did. So it's a tough one. Yeah. And it might sound weird, but I feel like they're holding him back now in the sense that, like, he's he doesn't put a foot wrong at any of the, ra like, most races. And he's always, he knows what he's doing, essentially. And I feel like, with them not listening to him, I think it's closer and closer. And I feel like this year might be the year where he decides to give it up with Mercedes. And I think it's an indictment on Mercedes because they don't want to turn into, uh, you know, the, the, the reputation that Red Bull had. Where when they, were when they were trying to push for the first and they kept being more ruthless and switching it around. And I feel like now that Mercedes is in the same position that Red Bull have been... They don't know how to handle themselves and to conduct their, you know, the way that they approach the races and the way they treat their drivers. And I feel like they're kind of crumbling and that, does, that's kind of showing. Does it almost feel a little bit like Mercedes Empire is falling and Red Bull is back on the up? And I, I can't remember the word, but there is a word for when one empire is falling and the other is on the up. And when they cross over, that's where wars happen. And it almost feels like we're at that stage there, the crossover point, potentially, unless Mercedes can hang on to something or, or pull anything out, which we know that they can. Um, I can't imagine a world where Toto Wolf isn't the domineering man <laughs> in Formula One anymore. It, it, it's almost what I've gr grown up watching. It's what we've all grown up watching since <laughs> I was 14. I believe you two were the same age. So yeah. it'll be a weird one. Yeah. Um, Joe, 
What are your thoughts? Moment of the weekend. Um, I had Max pitting from the lead. Um, I thought that was a really bold thing to do because in the two previous instances, we've seen the reverse of that situation, effectively, with Hamilton pitting. He was he was behind Verstappen at the time. Um, so it was like a, you know, nothing to lose if we're going to get the win, let's go for it. This was Max in the lead. He had the position. And so it was a much bolder strategy call, I felt, from Red Bull. And I was, you know, and it obviously made the race very exciting seeing Max hunt that down. So, yeah, I thought that was a really bold thing to do from Red Bull and it paid off. Um, and made the race more exciting as a result. So It's a funny one, isn't it? Because Red, Red Bull have been known for those kind of bold strategy moves because, like you say, they, they've had nothing to lose in the past. But if that strategy had gone wrong, and he was a lap and a half mm-hmm. away from not having the win, we would all be sitting around here saying, what a mess yep. they made to that strategy. But we're now sat here thinking mm-hmm. what geniuses they are. It is, it's funny how it can go like that just because of those big moments. But you're right. Red Bull had the faster car. They knew it. Um, well, although you say that Mercedes were faster in the race, Red Bull believed in their strategy and, and they, they pulled it off. So fair play to them. So in terms of that, it's split. But we've got some great moments and we didn't think we'd have that many great moments from the French Grand Prix. So I'd say we're <laughs> the biggest winners this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind <laughs> Red Bull or McLaren. But I want to hear what Joe's honourable mention is. I'm going to give t- two drivers an honourable mention, but for the same thing. Um, it's Lewis Hamilton and Sergio Perez for unbelievable tyre management, basically. I mean... We all know how good Lewis is. Um, And he almost, almost, almost made the worst strategy work. There was a a few laps after Verstappen got past Bottas where he held the gap between four and five seconds. I thought, oh, he's he's done it. He's managed his tyres. This is amazing. This is one of the best things. And unfortunately, it did did drop eventually. Um, It didn't quite manage it. But still, unbelievable tyre management. And it shows why it's better. And then Perez managing to come back at Bottas at the end of the race despite still only doing one stop because he made those mediums at the start of the race last for so long um I know I know he, I know he's famous for these uh tire management drives and it must be so frustrating to drive basically your whole race on dead tires but he makes it work it's so impressive it saves a bit of money I suppose <laughs> Max's tyre bills will be more than Perez. But yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Anyway, I just want to see what Nemesh's honourable mention is. Who are you going to give a shout-out to? Uh, I've got to give a shout-out to George Russell, uh, finishing 12th. I think it was one of those that went under the radar. Not many people noticed or cared just because of how entertaining everything else was. But yeah, well... As a Mercedes, for Mercedes, it's a very good sign because it shows it shows clear progression in his uh, skills and ability and Williams as a whole. Because I feel like last year, they, he would have getting 12th, getting around, you know, the points. I think that would have been their aim, their goal, just getting a point. And I feel like this year, 
hitting that 12th and getting into Q2 consistently and trying to get there, I think it shows that he's just getting better. And getting 12, especially when Latifi was what, 18, it kind of shows the the impact that he has compared to the car that he's driving. And I feel like he has to be honoured in that way. 12th in a race where everybody finished as well. It was well. pure pace. That. He, just need, um, he just needs to get lucky one yeah. of these yeah. days, having a good drive combined with a crazy race, and he'll score, he'll score a point. But Can I just say, I predicted, did I not, yeah, that wrongly. George Russell would score a point. <laughs> yes, I was wrong. Yeah, I, I know I was wrong, but if he was so close, he was so close. I think this is the only, like, one of the only races mm. where nobody retired. Yeah. Uh, when you look at it, so I think if if it was any other race, George would have hit a point or two at least. It's just one of those races where everyone managed to keep their tires going and get through the end of the race, and he just could get those points. That's what well, it was. Well, there's a very good reason for that because the the French Grand Prix track doesn't have any gravel traps. It's just yeah. got miles of places that you can drive off <laughs> into the distance so <laughs> you can you can carry on driving for ages without crashing um i'm just going to say that my honorable mention is also going to lewis hamilton but it was for that qualifying lap he was three quarters of a second behind verstappen when it came to final practice and i i, I was sitting there thinking oh Max is looking good, isn't he? On Mercedes territory, he's off in the distance. And somehow he managed to get within two tenths of Max Verstappen and beat Bottas, who is who was also half a second behind. So all that talk of swapping chassis and that nonsense, which I don't think we need to say anything more on other than Nico Rosberg nonsense. And I love Nico Rosberg as a pundit he's really entertaining and great but he does talk rubbish sometimes how Hamilton managed to get that time back I will never know but I've just got to give him a shout out there but what we will say is as a combined um, award we can give it to Hamilton and Russell and that might be Mercedes pairing next year who knows so that feels right Um, (laughs) and then Finally, I just want, or not finally, because we've got some predictions, but the final award is the AJ on the line, line of the weekend. And I'm going to go straight in with mine because I love hearing David Croft, the commentator, say, and down the inside goes Daniel Ricciardo. I bet he's decided that that is the best way to say that Ricciardo's made an overtaken move. But it was good to see Daniel Ricciardo on form. And it was good to hear Crofty on his birthday having a bit of a shout about the Aussie who was in better form. Over to you, Joe. Um, again, we mentioned it earlier, actually. I had uh, Valtteri Bottas' radio rant. Um, I won't repeat it on here because it's not uh, friendly for our younger viewers. <laughs> but uh, it showed some proper fight. Um, but... Also, it brings into question, you know, should teams listen to their drivers on strategy more often? Because um, I know both Lewis and Valtteri were saying it, just Valtteri was a bit more a uh, voice for us in his delivery. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think we've already discussed what was so interesting about the future ramifications of that line. Namesh, what was your line of the race or 
I suppose you've mentioned a line already, but there might be another one that caught your fancy. I liked Sergio Perez's um, when he was talking about Max and he says, let's get them. It kind of like it just made me think about like team cohesion and the willingness of Sergio Perez to kind of give because that's what Red Bull wanted. Right. Is to find a set uh, a second driver who will be there for Max and kind of provide for him. And I feel like the way Perez has been going and especially with the radio and why, when he was talking about, you know, let's get them let's, as a team. I feel like that kind of proves that Red Bull picked the right person with the right mentality who's going to let Max shine, but also be there, be that perfect number two. And I think that's great. That's good. Great shout there. Um, I, I almost mm-hmm. feel like I'll go with that one because, well, the other ones are, are, are good shouts. I think that is a great point and it's the reason that Red Bull are currently walking away with this <laughs> Constructors' Championship. And you wouldn't have thought that three or four races ago after Mercedes' Spanish Masterclass. So, fair play to Red Bull. You're getting all the awards today. Well, not all of them. A lot of them. But, before we go, we're just going to do a few predictions now. Joe, what is your sensible prediction for the next race in Austria? It's a slightly spicy, sensible prediction, if that... uh... Yeah, um, but I'm going to say Valtteri Bottas to win the Austrian Grand Prix because Austria has always been a track that he's been really strong at. It's like it's along with like Russia and Canada. He seems he always seems really strong in Austria. Um, so yeah, it's not too out there because obviously it's a Mercedes. But I'm going to say Valtteri Bottas to win the Austrian Grand Prix. That's really annoying because that was my sensible prediction too. <laughs> you've, you've done it twice now. I, I, I've got to stop handing it straight to you. <laughs> Namesh. I was actually going to say Sergio Perez because I feel like he's finally consistent. What, for the win? Yeah. Because I feel like he's finally consistent with the way he's been playing. I mean, driving. And it's only it has to be only a matter of time before he takes the lead in a race. And I feel like... The steering grumpy might be the one, especially like, especially with the last race and the one that's come before. It's getting better and better, and I feel like it's only a matter of time. So why not this one, be the one? My prediction. I'll go for a different one to Joe's. I believe the weather is looking a little bit wet, so that that probably means that it's going to be a dry race. But that's that's <laughs> not my prediction. I'm going, I'm I'm going to hope that it rains so that this prediction rings true. And I'm going to... I could say George Russell gets points again, but <laughs> we say that every week. So I'm going to say that Daniel Ricciardo will come down the inside and, and get a podium. Oh, I like that. And, well, that's quite bold for a, a sensible yeah. prediction, isn't it? Well, just, just to make mine more sensible, I will say I at least believe that Red Bull will get a 1-2. Which which way it happens, that's debatable, but I feel like it will be a 1-2 at least for Red Bull. Here's my bold prediction, okay? You ready mm-hmm. for this? You ready? The whole of this season remaining, Hamilton and Verstappen will not crash with each other. That is very bold. I, I, t- I mean, I texted you Ooh. before this Grand Prix, didn't I? And I said I thought there was going to be one at the, friend, uh, uh, the first corner. You said there was yeah, going to be I an incident, thought, right? so you could yeah, potentially I, be given that. I won't give myself that, because what I meant was one of them hitting each other. Um, 
I I can't see it. I can't. They're they're on track together so much. They must. I know, but they've got so much Ah. respect for each other. So I'm going to be bold and I'm going to say they're not going to come together. So I need to change my sensible prediction now that I've jinxed it too. Hamilton and Verstappen crashing <laughs> at the first corner in Austria. <laughs> but yeah, we'll leave it like that. Uh, Joe, what's your bold prediction? My my bold prediction builds on your uh, sensible prediction. I'm going to say as a bold prediction that McLaren are going to win in Austria. Okay. It's almost as though me and Joe have thought <laughs> yeah. this through together before the call. Uh, uh, <laughs> we don't. Yeah. No, I'm going to say McLaren to win in Austria. I mean, Lando got a podium last time out. They're looking very strong. Um, Daniel's on the up. I'm going to say a McLaren win in Austria. Fair play. <laughs> and Namesh to finish us off. So I'm going to throw go a bit left field. Um, I'm going to say that Lando Norris is going to get more penalty points. Oh, and this it okay. sounds, yeah, because he's at eight points, right? And twelve points is uh, is when you get a uh, race ban. Yeah, and especially from this race, you could see with him and Gasly, Gasly, how close they were to hitting each other, and the, the collision was so close. And I feel like it, he this whole season he's especially with track limits and things like that. He's been going a bit further and further. And I feel like it's going to continue throughout the whole season. And I feel like he's going to get two or three points for something that's just going to happen. I feel like he needs to get his um, uh, behavior under control in a car. This is interesting then. If all of our bold predictions come to be, (laughs) I, well, i.e. Joe and Namesh's bold predictions because mine one doesn't really matter. Who's going to win that race if Norris is going to get some penalty points? Could it be decided I... after the flag has flown already? Will it, will it be one of those Belgium 2008 moments where everyone, including Ted Kravitz of course, is waiting outside the Stewart's room, waiting for that piece <laughs> of paper to be put down? Well, we'll find out when we go to Austria. The Styrian Hills, and it's only this weekend, isn't it? So we can look forward to that. Thank you, Namesh. Thank you, Joe. You've both been a pleasure, and I hope that you at home have enjoyed this podcast as much as I've enjoyed talking to these gentlemen today. Thank you very much for listening. This is the AJ on the Line podcast. Goodbye. <laughs>